Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Standard pre-show warning that uh, one of the cats is asleep here in the closet, but he is Hammersmith, as this is his favorite place currently but he's up on the top shelf so hopefully he will not add his input to our discussion but just you know if i suddenly start like shrieking or a really loud (laughs) noise happens in the background hammer is woken up so we'll see what happens we're doing it live so what are we talking about today that we are doing live we are talking about um another show that isn't technically british but might as well be it is queen charlotte the bridgerton prequel series which kind of explains how the Bridgerton main series got an integrated society. And also it's just, it's, it's good. Okay. Well, actually, I think a better way to explain why this show exists is to explain how Netflix works. Well, it's because Bridgerton, Bridgerton is extremely successful. That's why this show exists. Well, yes, but you know, um, you know, before Netflix, um, if a show was successful, it ran 10 seasons. You know, it was like Friends or Seinfeld. Netflix never runs anything 10 seasons because A, it doesn't want to pay those kinds of raises to actors. And B, its entire premise is on bringing in new subscribers at all times, which means it needs to be debuting new shows, not season eight of shows. That's why most Netflix shows get canceled after three seasons. It's why um, shows like The Witcher and Bridgerton and now Stranger Things, instead of going 10 seasons, basically go four to five and have these prequel spinoffs that are basically the other five seasons that they should have gotten in, you know, in in older in in older models of television um i was actually really worried about this one i will admit because honestly the witcher prequels have been awful well there was only the one i mean the one was in fact bad no no there were two there was also the there was the there was the cartoon you're forgetting the cartoon version oh the cartoon movie was fine I thought that was fine. I didn't like the cartoon movie. The the Blood Origin is bad. Yes. The cartoon is fine. Um, Honestly, to me, both of them are bad. And it's because both of them felt very like they couldn't stand apart from the actual show. And they also felt, I don't know, just like they were like recursive dead ends. You know, like they didn't have any drama to them because we already knew what happened. And they usually like focused on characters that can't stand on their own. You know, they stand they they pick characters that are great side characters like 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 Jasker. Um Jaskier? How the hell do you pronounce his name? Doesn't matter. Um point being is that Queen Charlotte sort of struck me as one of those characters who's great as a side character, but would not be able to hold up as a as a central figure. Mm-hmm. And so I went into this a little worried, and I have to say that not only were my fears unfounded, but I actually think that this might be better than the original Bridgerton series itself. Um, I I, I will start by saying that I too. It's a bold statement. Mm-hmm. It's a bold statement. Um, it's definitely better than season two. Oh yes, in my opinion, is it better than season one? I'm not sure. It's at least on par with season one. It's really really very good startlingly good some of the things that it tries to do mostly that have to do with its kind of depiction of regency era mental health treatment 
And the aforementioned uh, attempting to explain the integrated society that exists in the main Bridgerton series are pretty clunky. Yeah. But the actual like central romance is great. Honestly, trying to explain away this 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 fantasy of a of a of a racially harmonious Regency era. Well, the thing that's so wild to me is that there's no like it's not that they that they do it. I mean, I I think it's. I think it's interesting that they try to do it. I don't believe that they could have reached the level we see in season one of Bridgerton. Mm-mm. Oh, no. Like, Absolutely. in less than a generation. No. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it does explain some things about the first season of Bridgerton, about, like, why Simon's dad is so obsessed with hanging on to his title, because it's still something that's relatively new for these people. That, well, it's not even relatively new. It's very new for these people who who aren't used to the kind of hereditary aristocracy in the same way that the white aristocrats are and and so that i liked that in that it made some it retroactively made some behavior in the first season of bridgerton make sense it doesn't explain why my personal pet peeve it doesn't explain whether or not the raj exists or not um because this is really only about black people not and and this is this is honestly for me like proof that Bridgerton is at its heart an American creation and has American sensibilities because the black and white divide is an American thing and whereas South Asians are the large majority it largest majority large majority minority excuse me um in the UK so that's why, like, it, it to me, like, Bridgerton is so Americanized in so many ways. And that is, to me, probably the biggest sign of that. That being said, this is a black woman's fantasy of Regency England. And I don't mm-hmm. think she should have to explain or apologize. OK, George R. R. Martin never explained or apologized why they were freaking dragons. OK, I mean, no, it's <laughs> fine. But I think that if you're going to like you have to I don't know, you sort of have to pick a lane. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm being prickly about this because that I don't know, it tries to kind of do both. And I don't think it does either of those things well, which is making it sound like I don't like the show. I think the show is honestly really great like i loved it i really like the central romance super works their chemistry is amazing i love and i will talk about this a little bit more later but i love that it is especially versus the first two seasons of the main series a really like mature exploration of what it means to love someone to make a commitment to someone i'm a real big believer that that love is not just a thing that you feel I think a lot of times we get that confused with attraction or lust. Love is a, an active verb in my mind. And you have to choose every day that you are like a lot. Love is a lot of work, mm-hmm. honestly. Like you you should choose every day to love the person that you are with, to love your spouse, to to do the work of that relationship every day. And that needs to be a conscious thing that you're doing. Mm. And I think that this show really gets at that in a way that the other two seasons of Bridgerton Prime don't. Part of that is because it actually like progresses to the marriage part instead of ends with the wedding. Mm. But the other part of it is that their relationship is hard. And yeah, it's not it's not a fairy tale for all that they're a king and queen of a country. Um, I find that um one of the reasons i think that this is actually better than the main bridgerton series bridgerton prime as you call it is because bridgerton prime are based on books that were written by a white lady in her late 20s and they are very facile and they are very simple 
as were most romance novels of its time and place, um, especially ones that were set in Regency England. Whereas this is written by a woman who is in her 40s, I think, or 50s, who has been through relationships, who has the maturity, and who is making this up completely from whole cloth. And this is her fantasy. And I think Mm. that uh, I love the fact that she took Queen Charlotte, who we don't actually I I have to say this because my mother will write me an email if I don't um, that we don't know. Hi, Hi, Annie's mom. (laughs) We don't know (laughs) if Queen Charlotte was actually black. Um, I think you have probably most of our our listeners have probably seen the painting of her in which she looks like a light skinned black lady. Um, But. There are there are theories that she was black and that people just painted her as white or pretended she was white or just sort of ignored that politely. I think it's actually more true that we didn't define black that way yet when when Queen Charlotte was alive. I I also just think that people of mixed race heritage exist. Yes, they do. And I think she was of mixed race heritage. And at that time, the one drop rule, which is what we go with today and what affects how we see people as black today, didn't exist because that wasn't made up until the until like the 1820s or 30s in the South after they couldn't get any more slaves imported in. So that was a thing that didn't exist yet in 1760. So she wouldn't have been seen as black because she was mostly white. And that was good enough. That was white. Um, so that that being said, though, I love the I love the, the idea that 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 Shonda Rhimes took this this perhaps first black woman to be to be queen and turned her into sort of this fantasy character and has given her a really deeply felt romance. Um and 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 one that I genuinely felt not only was it, it was strong enough to stand on its own, but also tied back to the show without actually feeling like it was beholden to do that. Like I felt like some of the things it added towards the end, including the birth of the of the uh, of the Queen Victoria to be at the very end actually sort of furthered the story, especially because it finally gave present day Charlotte a drive, which is to have heirs, which is to have her children have children because you have to keep the lineage going. And, you know, because uh, Rhymes added Queen Charlotte wholesale to the show, like it, she's not in the books. And because of that, she's sort of this side figure of fun, this this funny, you know, you know, gorgeous gowns and even sillier wigs and, and, and bon mots and and but she hasn't had a drive and this gave her a drive for the first time and i think that will actually pay dividends in bridgerton down the line to have her be a fuller character maybe i don't know <laughs> i don't feel i don't i don't disagree with you i just don't think that primary bridgerton is that interested in her beyond a side character place i would not be surprised if they did another season of queen charlotte because there's quite i absolutely hope they do there's quite a lot that they could still do there, even though, like, for the historically accurate folks who are who are mad, no, George the Third's illness did not like at this point in his life he was lucid. He was not having these sort of debilitating attacks. He's still too young, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I guess they got to get worse or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do think I do think the the show is. And it's basically the premise of the show is Charlotte comes to England and marries King George. That is the show. Yeah, it's 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 an arranged marriage romance 
where the where if you if you're looking for the trope, this is the this is the arranged marriage where they fall in love afterwards. And they have a really great meet cute where she's trying to literally escape from her own wedding. It's it's actually extremely adorable. Like those two have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the actors in this are fantastic. They're like, really I, great. I just as somebody who as somebody who doesn't necessarily enjoy like I liked that interaction a lot because it made the fact that like insta love kind of happens at least it had a little bit of a grounding. Mm-hmm. But eventually like they really sold me on their connection and uh, honestly how lonely Charlotte was and how she was looking for you know kind of anyone that she could connect with in this in this new and weird place. Uh, I think the show is at its best when it's focused on them. I could take or leave the the modern day plot. Well, some of it. Like, I liked the present day Queen Charlotte and her kids stuff. I thought that was funny and and interesting for her. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that the Violet and Lady Danbury stuff was so necessary because I should probably have said this before I started talking about it. The show is kind of told over two timelines. One is when Charlotte comes to England and marries George and she's a teenager and they're fa- they're falling in love and she's finding out that he is, you know, he is ill and trying to figure out how to get better and a present day storyline that's set between Bridgerton season two and three. And it's all about Queen Charlotte and Lady Danbury and Violet Bridgerton acknowledging that they are older women with sexual needs, basically. Basically. I don't, I mean, I support that as a middle-aged lady, but I don't know. That wasn't as interesting to me, especially because of all the stuff that happens with Lady Danbury and the flashbacks. I don't know. That was the weak that was the weakest part for me. That's actually interesting because I know there are a lot of people who are very divided on Lady Danbury. So Lady Danbury is basically when we meet her, she's in an arranged marriage. She's been married to a much older man. Her relationship is actually very realistic for the time period for a woman of her of her place and status. She's married to an older man who basically doesn't give a, doesn't give two figs about her other than as a broodmare. I mean, they tolerate each other. Yeah, they talk. And but at the same time, like her, I'm sorry, but those scenes where she's complaining about sex, I was I was I was in the middle of embroidery. Like I just died. Those are so funny. Um, But also like having a baby is having a baby is a scarring, horrendous experience for her. Um, And then her and then her husband dies and she's sort of free. And she winds up making eyes at this older dude because apparently she actually does like older dudes who just so happens to be Lord Ledger, who... Um, yeah, that was really weird. Violet, if those who have read the books will know, was Lady Violet Ledger before she married uh, Lord Bridgerton. So basically, Danbury slept with Violet's dad back in the day. It's like, I just don't know what the point of that was. It was really weird. One thing about romances is that cheating storylines are always very, like, dicey. Women who read romances don't want cheating things. They don't want that. They want, like, if you actually, like, ever go to, like, a Reddit group or a a Facebook group that is asking for, like, recommendations for romances, like, cheating is a hard no a lot of times. Like, no, people don't want that. And Or if they do, they're a very specific group that wants that. Yeah, because let's be real. If they cheat with you, they will cheat on you. Yeah, and that is that is an issue. And honestly, like, it doesn't... 
it doesn't last very long. Uh, Lord Ledger sort of realizes that he's screwed up and uh, puts Violet between them. And that's kind of how she and Violet become friends in a way. It's sort of hinted. Um, and yeah, it's it's all sort and of. And there's a whole there's a whole part in the modern day storyline where, where. Where Violet finally figures it out. Because her dad used to make party hats for people. And for some reason, Lady Danbury still has one. Because reasons, I don't know. Yeah, because it suggested that, like, Lord Ledger was really the love of Danbury's life that she never really got to have, or, like, her first taste of love or something to that effect. Um, And I understand that's what it's supposed to be, but honestly, like, I think the fact that they put a cheating storyline in is a bad sign. The fact that they made it Violet's dad was unfortunate. And, you know, I really love Violet and Danbury as BFFs in the present day that were brought together because... Their daughter and adopted nephew got married in the first season. Um, and I, I liked that because it was a really smart spin on the actual stuff from the book. Um, and so having having this whole history suddenly pop up, um, I thought it was interesting. I liked the depth that it gave um, Danbury's character. I like the fact I, I love the actress. I'm sorry, like everyone from that 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 Ar- 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 Arzma Thomas is the girl who plays a uh, young lady Danbury. This was her first television role. She is a She's find. Wonderful. She is a find. That girl has a career ahead of her, and I can't wait. Um, same with uh, India. I'm gonna butcher her last name. Ar- Mar- Amart Amarta India. Let's just go with India. Uh, Amarta Fi- um, She's incredible. She's and incredible. honestly just like has so much presence and mm-hmm. again she's great. just uh just finding I mean in 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 terms of finding young stars this show is a gold mine. Um I mean we all kind of knew about Sam Clement because of uh his role uh as in the Harry Potter Broadway show. Or sorry, West End Joe, but um, lol. I did not know that because I refuse to acknowledge that play exists. Uh, okay, um, he was the one who basically got all of the accolades, um, and so I'm really glad to see him get a television role in which he can kind of blot that out and be known for this because he's fantastic as young Brimsley, um, and I love Freddie Dennis as young Reynolds. What happened to Reynolds? I, I, I honestly I need season two because I need to know what happened to Reynolds. <laughs> um but honestly, like there's so much about like this show that was so delightful in a way that the first season of Bridgerton was. And for me, the reason that I actually rank this above Bridgerton season one is the sheer amount of joyous sex. I mean, season one had had a lot of that to yes but it only had it in a small section and we had like five episodes where before we got to it because they didn't really do it before they got married so you know basically it all got smushed into episode six i find that demanding that we treat romances in all their sexually explicit glory as prestige television shows worthy of big budgets and Emmy consideration, the same way we consider something like, uh, I don't know, Elizabeth, what's her, Elizabeth Moss getting raped over and over again in a red dress. I, I, I love that. That's revolutionary to me. For so long, romances were treated as trashy because 
of misogynistic, you know, and and they were only worthy of low budget, you know, bolder eyes, lifetime, puritany, Christiany, you know, just really awful stuff. And that's not true. Romance romances are read by so many people. Women love them. They deserve this kind of treatment. And I felt that Queen Charlotte was in a lot of ways one of the reasons I didn't like Bridget in season two is I felt like it was a step back from season one, and I felt like Queen Charlotte was the step forward I wanted to see after Bridget in season one, of more of this revolution, of more of this giving women's fantasies the same level of depth as a man's fantasy of dragons and rape. I mean, I know which one I prefer. I mean, I don't disagree with this either, but I think you can't make this argument without acknowledging that they get married in the first episode. Okay, okay, yes. Okay, yes. And that's actually partly why they get to have so much more sex than Bridgerton. And also... And also, literally, their one job is to have an heir. Their one job is to have an heir. Um, But also, um, I think that that's also true because uh, Bridgerton is 10 episodes each time, whereas this is six. And I think the shorter runtime was actually a boon here because it meant that everything stayed so much more tightly focused. Mm -hmm. I do agree that I like that it was shorter, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, why I I don't know. The the present day storyline was fine, but I don't know that I necessarily wouldn't have, have minded at all being set in the past. You didn't need the framing device maybe have Queen Charlotte and the kids be the framing device and mm. not all the stuff with Lady Danbury and, and Violet because that didn't that felt jarringly like disconnected in a lot of ways mm. one of the reasons why there is no book about uh, Lady Violet's romance that goes with her children is that Quinn said that she had imagined a romance so perfect that there was no drama and no reason to write it and I've always sort of wondered how the show would deal with that um, and I sort of was afraid that there would be like that they would sort of screw that up or that they would change that. Um, and I didn't kind of realize how precious that was to me until like I started watching the, the, the and I was like, oh, my God, please don't do that. And then they did this instead, which I'm not sure I like either, but it does actually like I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Violet's dad being a cheating jerk. Like, I don't know how I feel about that, that he slept with a girl his daughter's age. Like, I just, like, there's so much about that that he's far more... I mean, at least she was slightly older than his daughter, but But, it's not great. No, and I, I, I wonder how or if Bridgerton will incorporate that. I did like the idea that they might incorporate Violet trying to date again, which she never does in the books, um, because, you know, they don't have... Older ladies don't have sex drives in the books. Um, they sit around darning and doing embroidery. Um, but honestly, like I, I wonder if there, there's, if this is somehow going to suddenly haunt Violet that everything she believed was wrong or something. Like I, I'm really curious to see how this plays in Bridgerton season three, or if it does, you know, or if it just all sort of gets swept under the rug. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I mean, then that's part of why I feel like it would have been better to have this just be Charlotte focused. And if they had to have the two timelines, have the second timeline be like present day Charlotte without. But I feel like they didn't they didn't know if they could trust it if they didn't have some familiar faces for people. Yeah, I don't know. It's very it's weird. I do think that that is probably true. Um, I honestly didn't expect it to 
have as much in the present day. I thought it would be just a quick framing device where we saw the three around having tea and then we would jump into the past. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to know what you think of Michelle Fairley as George's mom, Augusta. Um, I Well, we know that I am a Stark fan for life, so love to see my girl Caitlin thriving. Um, I really liked her more than I thought I would because I feel like going into the show, she was sort of framed as like this villain figure. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that is what happened with her character at all. Um, I think her character was really interesting and I would not mind knowing more about her and her life before everything that we see in Queen Charlotte. I don't know. I thought she I thought Michelle Fairley was really wonderful in this and possibly a bit underused. Mm. Um, I honestly did think she was underused. Correct. Um, I do also think that there was a level where the show wanted to make her more villainous than Farrelly was willing to play her. I don't actually think she would. I don't think she did anything that was that bad. No, I don't think so either. And I think that's the problem is that the show, the the show wanted it to feel more mustache twirly and Farrelly was playing Mm. it like it really was, which was not actually nearly as mustache twirly. It was just a few racially charged, you know, tea times. Where every so often she conveniently forget about the inheritance problem because she didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on the flip side, on the flip side, she's the one who came up with the great experiment to begin with. Right? And granted, her reasons for doing that were not like, you know, egalitarian in any way. But I feel like her primary motivation was always protecting the crown. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that made sense to me. Like all of all of that made sense to me. Like she's not she's not here to help Charlotte be happy. Nope. I mean the Windsors did worse. <laughs> you know, like th- the fact that this the fact that this debuted the same weekend as the coronation was an excellent accidental bit of timing on Netflix's part. Um and I I, I couldn't help but compare. And in that, you know, Farley's character comes off really well <laughs> in comparison to some of the things you remember seeing the Windsors do in The Crown, um, which may or may not be true, but doesn't matter. Because I do think at the end of the day, her motivations are very focused on George mm-hmm. and they come from a good place toward him. Mm-hmm. Maybe not toward Charlotte often, but Charlotte's not her kid. No. And never will be. And that's not her focus. Um, and that's kind of, I, I 100% agree that like that that she did not come off because that was that was a big question I had is, did I miss it or was I just uh, am I too much of a am I too much of a forgiving white lady that I didn't see Michelle's character? Michelle Fairley's character is that bad. But I'm, gl- I'm glad that I'm not the only one who who I mean, I may have like House Stark blinders on, <laughs> always, but I love Michelle Fairley and I don't know. I think that that character was really a lot more layered than than I was initially led to believe she would be. Um, I also want to know what you thought of uh, Brimsley and Reynolds. And because, um, OK, uh, before before we get into this, I just want to fra- I just want to frame this for the audience. One of the things that Bridgerton has had a huge issue with is its lack of LGBTQ romances and that it sort of it sort of played with them as, as sort of window dressing without actually going there ever. 
And it's been their heterosexual norm- normativity comes from the books, but it's also really frustrated fans who feel that a romance should be more than that in the year in the year roller twenty twenty three. And I love the fact that Queen Charlotte really tried to go there finally. I I liked them. I like that they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is weird that we don't really find out what happens to. Reynolds, mm-hmm. or if he maybe he's still there, I don't know. The show doesn't tell me. No, I don't feel like while I think that they were cute together, they were also not like a focus, if that makes sense. Like, I don't feel like I really got to know either of them or their relationship all that well. Mm. And I don't know if I think it wasn't just convenient because I don't want to. Mm. Or if that's actually in the text or not. I don't know. It felt very, like, second tier. I will agree that it felt second tier. But I did feel that it was an important step forward for the show to actually have an on-screen LGBTQ couple well, who fall I in mean, love. I crumbs. I, yes, I agree. Crumbs. And yes, I still think Bridgerton has a lot of work to do. But I also, because I am always happy to see at least crumbs... I always need like a gut check from other people on whether or not were these crumbs enough. I wish that I wish that we'd gotten to see some part of their story that wasn't directly related to George or Charlotte. Mm. Okay. No, that I'll take that. Because all of their motivations stem from either protecting or serving or keeping a secret for the people they work for. Mm-hmm. And while clearly they have a bond between themselves, like, why? You know what I mean? Like, is it just because you both work for the king and the queen? and You're in the trenches together and nothing for pinks like propinquity? Yeah, I don't know. Like, so I wish I'd, I wish <laughs> even, like, just a little bit about, like, I don't know, how they met. Mm-hmm. Well, I can probably guess how they met. Like, just something. Something that wasn't connected to them sending messages for other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's fair. Um... I uh I also really like the fact that we finally got like a look at George Prince of Wales the Prince Regent and all of Queen Charlotte's children. Um I don't know if our audience knows this that woman gave birth 12 times. Actually I think it might have been more than 12. I I I think it I th- Is it just 12 surviving and she gave birth more than that? Maybe she had a ton. I, for some reason, the number fifteen is in my head, okay. and I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, um, she had at least twelve children. Let's ask Wikipedia while you check that. Um, the fact is, is that like one of the things about um adding Queen Charlotte to the books is that, or to the story that's not in the books, is that none of her kids come with her because they're not in the books either. Um, and so I felt like this was the first time the show really got to like sort of give us more of the royal family. I also really like the fact that like, you know, we watch Charlotte nearly die in childbirth and then you see all these other children and you realize that she went through that how many times? Uh, the official website for the palaces at Kew says 15. 15! 12 of which survived, which is a huge number for that era. Considering, I mean, even even e- even though they are like seriously rich and can afford the best health care of 1761, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, a lot of children died. Um, 
and yeah, 12 survivors is pretty, pretty. 13. 13, 13 survivors. survivors. Jesus. But like, I love the fact that we saw like, um, I, I did like we saw that, uh, uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, you know, Stephen Delane, who plays uh, 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 the oldest uh, Baratheon, the cranky Baratheon. That's his son as uh, Prince William. Um, I, there were a couple of other ones where I was like, that's the kid of so-and-so. And I don't remember them now. Um, but like, it, it felt almost like they'd gone to all the British A-listers and been like, hey, do you have a teenage kid? We need, we need, we need some princes and princesses to like, you know, jack this place up. <laughs> but that part is true. Charlotte, Princess of Wales did die and it was a huge tragedy for the monarchy at the time. If you've seen Victoria... Mm. Um, you will have heard that story before. Yes, because Vic it's one of the reasons why Victoria is so terrified of having children herself. Um, but yeah, I uh, I have to say, like, I if if there's a season two, what would you like to see? I of course want to know more about Reynolds, and I want to see more of Augusta, and I want to see more of how Charlotte becomes kind of the party girl she is when we meet her in Bridgerton season one. I just sort of assumed that was widowhood. Uh, well, not really widowhood, but quasi-widowhood. Li li living widowhood? Um, yeah. I would like to see more Augusta because I love her. I would really like to see Augusta's relationship with her son that is not... Um, uh, that that is not adver when it's not adversarial. Because mm. almost every scene you see between the two of them, they're fighting mm. about something or they're arguing about something or she's trying to make him do something he doesn't want to do. Mm. Um, so I'd really like to see what that looks like, nor like in a more normal kind of setting. Uh, I suspect I would like less uh, medieval torture style medical treatment of <laughs> mental health, but I would like to see how they kind of, I don't know, how do they manage this? Is it the two of them? Is there just like a group effort? You know, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with this because, like I said, historically he's not he's not sick yet. Yeah. Um, um, making him sick like that really, you know, I, I, I forgive this show all of its historical trespasses and wish that it didn't feel the need to explain some of them. Um, but I, I, I do get why they had to make his illness more, less theoretical and more realistic mm -hmm. this early on. Um, you, we can maybe hope that he has like a remission for a while. I do think that did happen. Yeah. I do think that did happen quite frequently. Um, I, uh, do you want to see Violet after she marries Edmund as the Bridgerton kids are born? I don't know that I, I don't know that I need that. I, I don't know that I need that. Okay. I, I ask you this because even though Queen Charlotte is a completely standalone story that, that Ryan's made up from whole cloth, there are actually Julia Quinn prequels oh to i know the you told me this there's like the violet books oh well no they're the, not the violet books violet they're and, like the cousins the cousins mm -hmm. books or something yeah basically it's edmund's sisters and like their neighbors and edmund and violet are side characters at all times and basically violet is constantly pregnant and you basically see the first four kids all get born over the course of those books is you see like baby Anthony and then the next one there's 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 toddler Anthony and baby Benedict and then toddler the six year old Anthony four year old Benedict and two year old Colin and and baby Daphne et cetera et cetera yeah I don't know that I need that okay 
I, I was curious because, you know, that is one of the things that sort of book readers at the time loved that because it was getting to see like the the, the prequel of Bridgerton in sort of a way. And now we have a prequel of Bridgerton, but it's so very different. And I was just curious, like as someone who hasn't read the books, do you feel that same drive or no? But you don't. You don't think that that's necessary. But I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I honestly don't want Rhymes to sort of go with that. I like her own story that she's made up herself and I want her to stick with that because I think that's the correct choice. Um, I agree. Yeah. Like I, I, well, I just want, like, cause I feel like a lot of this was sort of Charlotte um, coming into her own, mm-hmm. if you will. I, I would like to see, you know, she's figured all of this. She's, she knows everything now. Like now what for her, mm-hmm. I would like to see what the next stage of that is for her and how knowing what, um, you know, knowing what she signed up for, mm. kind of. Like, how does that impact the choices that she makes? I think I would love that, honestly. And how does that impact, like, the... Because clearly she has to learn to be a queen, mm-hmm. like, in a different way than if her husband weren't ill. And I would like to see what that looks like. Hmm. All right. Um anything else because i think i think that for me is a other than impatiently waiting to see if there is a season two and rhymes so far has not said no to it um i mean i just one of those things where i'm like it was so successful and it was so um positively reviewed Mm -hmm. like i wrote a review of this and you did too Mm -hmm. and they were all just kind of really glowing i think and like i i think that there's just every reason to like, why wouldn't they? Mm. I, I, I'm I, not going to argue with that. I do say, though, that um, I do think, though, that what what it will what it will boil down to is the 30 day numbers, because Netflix really is at this point married to that. And so we'll know this. The show came out. The show came out on May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Watch some royalty. Um, so I guess we'll know probably around June 4th to June 6th is when they'll let us know what the numbers were and if they're giving it a second season or if it's canceled. I just can't imagine that they wouldn't. I feel like I feel just very confident about it because it I, just I, doesn't seem... I, 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 I want to believe and I want to agree with you, but the thing is it's because I understand that these prequels are supposed to be sort of standalone sh- offshoots that are that, that are... that that don't get lives of their own. I'm mm-hmm. afraid Netflix won't look at this and see the potential. Does that make sense that they're that 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 mm. that the model won't let them Well, okay, so if they don't do another season of this, what other prequels do you think they would do? I'm here for the Prince I'm here for the Princess Augusta prequel. I would oh my gosh, go backwards and do a Princess Augusta prequel to pre-Georgian times. Now see, that's the kind of stuff that I do love because also those are period I mean, one of the things I love about this is that we don't get a lot of Georgian set romances. We don't mm-hmm. get a lot of Georgian set period pieces, right? Like the closest thing we've had to this was what, Poldark? And like Poldark was, I guess so. Poldark I guess. was twenty years, yeah. yeah. But Poldark was twenty years on from this. Poldark was seventeen eighties. So like I, I, I love this that, that this is set in a time that we don't usually see. And I would love them to go backwards another forty years to Augusta being a twenty year old. I would absolutely get behind that. Um, I would also, um, I would be very curious to see if the show could move to France or Germany. 
Um, Ooh, why so? Well, do you remember in Bridgerton season one how she had that how she had that nephew? Who had the nephew? Um, Queen Charlotte had a nephew that she wanted Daphne to marry, and he goes home. To ch- oh, right, 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 right. I've also wondered. I don't remember if- what his name was. I just remember I think he was blonde. Uh, he was Prince Frederick, and uh, he was played by Freddie Stroma, um, who is uh, a. a, a Freddie Stroma is the best thing about um, that John Cena uh, uh, silly show with the superheroes that I forgot. Oh, Peacemaker thank with you. Eagly the Eagle. Yes, thank you. Um, Freddie Stroma is the sidekick in that. Um, and he's fantastic. He's the best thing about that show. Anyway, um, that being said, I would love to see if Freddie Stroma get a show or that they go and they show like you know, her family in Germany and or or have someone married to France and basically move out of move out of England and and, and populate Europe. That's what I, I think I'd like mm. to see. I think that would be fun, but I don't think that's very Bridgerton-y. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, fair. I mean, I, I think that's also because I love the fact that Rhymes is very obsessed with Charlotte and with her family. And I think that it would be interesting to see other black royalty in Europe. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where I'm going with that. But uh, you are correct. It is not very Bridgerton. Bridgerton really is very much a Regency romance of its time. Um, you know, and honestly, like... I did. I don't know if you noticed this. There was a, uh, some of the guest characters named Smith Smith. Um, there's an entire series of Julia Quinn books on the Smith Smith girls. Um, and that I have a terrible name. It is. It's a hilariously terrible name. And I almost when I saw Lord and Lady Smith Smith show up in this, I was like, hey, finally, the Smith Smiths made it. Um, and I would not mind if maybe- that just sounds like you're having a seizure. <laughs> Um, I honestly would love to see if, um, I would love to see basically Bridgerton take some of those other books that Quinn wrote that are also set in the same Regency world and who all have Lady Danbury in them. Um, she is kind of like the, 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 the person who goes around giving people advice when they absolutely need it in the other books. Um, and, and add that to the Regency world. I'd be okay with that because that does at least feel connected to like the the world that the show has created. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I guess maybe they could do one about like uh, Kate's parents. Mm, I see, and this is where I I'm not sure if Bridgerton's equipped to do that. I don't know. No, I'm sure no, they're not really. But I mean, honestly, that is that is to me the other thing that I I. I I commend Bridgerton season two for recognizing how American it was in thinking of everything as black and white and adding real South Asian characters and really trying to to do that. But it also showed that the limitations of Americans when it comes to that um, and that they needed to bring in, I think, honestly, like South Asian writers to have done that properly. Um, Mm. And I think if they did something like that, you would need to see Shondaland expand as it were to bring in writers of color from 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 india and pakistan from from you know from from asia from south asia um if they're going to do characters of color from other regions because otherwise it's not going to read realistically and we're going to have the where are the raj questions yeah yeah um 
I don't know. I feel like they've had such good they've had such success with this that I can't imagine they won't do others. Does that make sense? I really hope so. Um, as I said, I feel like these shows are revolutionary in a way that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Um, and you know, considering how many Emmys have been given to shows where it's all about women being raped and violence and 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 how miserable the world is to have something that's so happy and rosy and fills me with joy given that same treatment just i i i i want i want so much more of that i want bridgerton to change the world of television that way i don't think it can i don't think it will but i would like netflix to give me a lot more of it mm -hmm. and i'd like the emmys to give them some some love and the golden globes too <laughs> Well, that is our show on Queen Charlotte, I think. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, tell the people, Annie, where they can find you on the internet, please. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle basically everywhere. Thank you for the blue sky invite. Um, I am now officially on all of the uh, the Twitter clones. Uh, let's see. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats being fuzzy and cute on Instagram at Annie Bundle. Um, I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web for places like CNN Opinion, where I'm writing about uh, uh, Succession, and MSNBC, where I write about the Coronation and Eurovision, and Primetimer, where I'm also writing about Happy Valley. So, yeah, check me out and uh, um, Google me, basically, and or go to my Twitter or my whatever account that I, I remembered to post the links to. I try to remember to do them to <laughs> at least three. I try to do at least three each time. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-E-C-Y-M-B and virtually every other social media site there is, including Blue Sky. Woo! Um... I don't know. Like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But if you just want the site and the pod instead of us, we are at Tele underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word, on Facebook. If you like what we do, you can visit us at televisions.org to read all our news, recaps, and latest updates on everything. If you really like what we do, you can click on the donate button up top to help us keep making all this great content for your eyes and ears. When you do that, uh, I almost forgot to, to give you the passport reminder. You can get access to PBS Passport, which will give you a ton of early and exclusive binge opportunities. You can watch the rest of Tom Jones before it airs. Marriage and Our House are coming later this month. Not to mention 57,000 Walter's Choice shows. I don't know. It's a lot. Um, and 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 don't forget, don't forget, we have a we have Ridley and Grantchester and Di Ray that are all coming this summer. Um, Sorry, they're all mysteries, Lacey. I know. This is probably my last period drama that I'm going to get to talk about for a while. And it's depressing. It's depressing for me. We'll, we'll find stuff. We'll find stuff. I'll soldier through it. Um, anyway, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Email us if you're watching something good that you think we should cover. We fully support the writer's strike that is still ongoing, but that does mean that... Uh, I don't know, we may have to find some new things to talk about later this year, so if you've got classics that need to be revisited, movies you think we should watch, or just random stuff you're curious to know about the way that streaming or PBS or television in general works, we are at televisions at weta.org. 
do something nice for a stranger, go outside. We're in that nice period here in DC where the weather is actually perfect. So uh, it's it's incredible. Enjoy it before we become swampy hellscape. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.